this past week and we're like we gotta show that it's so fun just just fun to see uh christmas through the eyes of kids isn't it like just the the innocence the beauty there one of uh, our family traditions is maybe you can try this out uh, is to actually on christmas morning is to read the christmas story and everybody dresses up like one of the characters and so maybe you can try that out especially fun not just seeing the the christmas story read that way but also seeing kids sing about christmas anybody enjoy that at christmas cafe last week that was such a, a blast seeing all of them 
Just a, a special uh, thanks for everybody that was involved with that. We had over 1,100 people enjoy uh, Christmas Cafe last weekend, and so a special thank you. It's not that often in our, co- in our culture that the spotlight is so put on Jesus Christ during this season. So excellent job uh, doing that. Uh, both little kids' choirs and adult choirs did a good job. I was listening to a pastor this last week. He was talking about how it kind of makes him sad in our culture, how a little attention present day that Jesus necessarily gets during this season. He was at a a program that his daughter had at the public school. And he's like, man, even the closing song, they, instead of singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, it was, we wish you a happy holidays. That just doesn't flow right, does it? What's next? Uh, Away in a Macy's? I'm not sure. But this, this picture, this idea, our, our culture doesn't necessarily get it. And it's easy for us to maybe get frustrated with that. Instead of the opposite response is what my prayer is going into this season, is that we would be compelled to, oh, you've got to know about this Jesus. If somebody knew him, somebody personally knew him and embraced him, I'll tell you what, that changes everything, doesn't it? When you've personally had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you can't help but celebrate his birth. Think about that from an above perspective, what it must be like for God Almighty who sent his only begotten son that was literally put on a cruel Roman cross for him to see his birthday. And we won't even mention his name, kind of a sad thing, but we as the followers of Jesus have the opportunity even in the next a week or so to be able to, again, put the spotlight on him, allow, invite people to get to know the Jesus that has changed our life. And I think a lot of that starts even as we're here this morning making sure that we're in the right mindset, that we're carving out and creating margin in our life where we can actually slow down, exhale, put the spotlight ourselves on him. And then that's what compels us to want to share him with the world around us. I'm excited this morning to look at a chapter of scripture that a lot of us are familiar with. Luke chapter one is an account of the introduction of Jesus to uh, the mother Mary. And so we're excited uh, to do that. But my invitation is that you would put this morning the lenses on of a child and maybe see this maybe for the first time with fresh eyes. Let me pray towards that end. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together and already the sweet time that we've had this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate your birth. God, we're so grateful for you coming down to be with us, to be one of us. God, we ask that you'd teach us now, that you'd stretch us, that our time in the word would be sweet. We invite that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So a little background, if you haven't been around our church this fall, we had some uh, fun working through Genesis chapters 1 through 12, looking at the origin of mankind, the origin of everything, the origin of sin, the origin or the introduction of rescue that was introduced to a guy by the name of Abraham. If we were here a couple of weeks ago, a promise was made to him. I'm sure it wasn't crystal clear when he's first receiving it that, his, uh, that, that, that the entire world would be blessed through his offspring, through his lineage, that the entire world and those receiving that promise would have been a little bit confused what that looked like, but scripture is kind of fun because the whole Old Testament kind of walks that storyline, walking us from generation to generation to generation, the family tree that would ultimately lead to the Messiah. 
At Christmas Cafe, you saw a few of those characters introduced. Some of the most uh, prevalent ones are more well-known. One of them was a guy by the name of David. Well, here in the account in Luke, an account of Scripture in the, the account in Matthew, follows that family line all the way to the birth of Jesus. Now, there's two different accounts. So here's a, a little bit of uh, Bible background in case you've maybe been confused about this before. Two different accounts. Here's a, here's a picture of the different accounts, and uh, we're going to make sure we have all these memorized by the end of the service, uh, like our great song singer. But, uh, but anyway, in these accounts, they vary quite a bit on the other side of David. On the other side of David, it starts to have different names, and you're like, wait a second, why is this so different? There's two different explanations for this. I lean towards one, I'll say in a minute. One explanation is both of them are ultimately leading to Joseph, pointing towards him. So two different family lines. But one of those is more the biological uh, account that's found in Luke, in Luke, every single name being mentioned. And the, uh, the other idea would be that Matthew is uh, giving uh, the, the lineage or line like of secession as a throne you would do, not every single name being mentioned. I don't necessarily lean towards that. I lean towards the other vantage point, if you're following with me so far, is that Matthew is an account through David's son Solomon that would ultimately lead to Joseph. Now, that wasn't the birth line of Jesus because remember last week we learned that Jesus was adopted by Joseph, so it wasn't his actual son. But the way that it worked is you could have an adopted son that was then in the line for becoming a king. So one was pointing towards him becoming king, and then the account in Luke is more of a biological review of the family line that ultimately led to Mary. It would make sense as a doctor, him leading and pointing towards the physical bloodline being passed on. So God, this is the way I receive it, God perfectly is crossing every T, dotting every I, to make sure that he was perfectly covered. This was not an accident that we arrive at Jesus' birth, both the lineage of Joseph and the lineage of David going all the way back to Abraham with that promise. That's the God that we're following. And this lineage ultimately leads to Mary, who we're going to look at briefly here this morning. Verse 26, chapter 1 of Luke, this first introduction of Mary I think her story should help us better worship this Christmas season. Take a look at verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. This is an initial introduction. This is the very first time that Mary is presented in Scripture. And what do we learn about her in this? One, a big deal, you can learn a lot about somebody from the town that they're from. It says that she's from the town of Nazareth. This was on the outskirts of Galilee, kind of a, a smaller town. In fact, most historians that have uh, dug up the town and pointed to kind of history about it believe that it was only about maybe between 100 and 150 people. So about even less than who's literally in this room right now. So that's the, that's the group that would have been in this town. The town of Bethlehem, I'm sorry, the town of uh, Nazareth wasn't very well celebrated. In fact, when the disciple Nathaniel heard that Jesus was from Bethlehem, anybody remember what he said? 
can anything good come from Nazareth? You're like, uh, it, was, it was kind of, no offense, the Fresno, oh, did I just say that? Uh, of, the, of the town, my best friend's from Fresno. But, uh, but in that day and age, it wasn't necessarily a celebrated area to come from, most likely because of it being on the kind of northern end of the country and kind of uh, bordering Gentile nations there. And so probably that was likely part of it not being celebrated. But she's a, a, just a small town girl, most likely in the age group of 13 or 14 years old, which is weird to me, especially having a 13-year-old to think of this. It says that she was betrothed to be married. So she's just a small town girl, in the words of Journey, living in a Roman world. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. So, but it wasn't just any girl. She literally checked every prophetic box from the town to the, to the being a virgin, to being betrothed. If you're not clear with that word, sometimes scripture words, you're like, what's betrothed mean? Basically, it's another word for engagement, but engagement was a bigger deal back then that could only be broken by divorce. So once you're engaged, it's pretty much as, as good as married. This picture of betrothal was about a one-year period of time, so between getting engaged, and most of these were prearranged marriages, between getting engaged to the marriage ceremony or celebration or feast or whatever you call it, about, about a one-year time frame, and on that, finally at the end of that year, they would be brought together. It was really awkward. They would consummate the marriage while the, the, the audience waited outside. Yes, kind of uh, weird, uh, and then they'd have a huge celebration. It was, a, it was a party. So in this period of time, of this one year, we see that God initiated relationship, initiated contact through the form of an angel coming to represent him and reach out to Mary with this amazing news. What I, you see it on the screen there, and this is what I wanted to point out, and this is kind of a pattern throughout Scripture and a pattern, if we're honest with ourselves, in every single one of our lives, is that God does the pursuing. God does the pursuing. It's not us that's go, going, oh, I'm trying to get to God. I, I love the account in, uh, or the, the verses in Romans where it says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. It's always God seeking us, reaching out to us. And for a catalyst leading into Christmas season, maybe this is a healthy one for us to reflect on. What was his pursuit of you? What did it look like? What did he have to do to finally get your attention? What does he continue to have to do to keep your attention? The starting point in this story is God reaching out to this girl who is engaged, we're also introduced to David or to Joseph, who's related obviously to David. Verse 28, this is how it plays out. It says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So we'll stop there. She was busy doing laundry and uh, no, she, she, was, she was busy and God made the choice to reach out to her. And here's the important thing I wanted to pause and point out. A lot of time there's some misconception about Mary in the world around us as being maybe elevated to an inappropriate place. You see, Mary was on the receiving end of grace. She wasn't extending grace. The Catholic faith system believes that Mary was actually without sin. 
It's pre- presented that she was born with that so that Jesus could be without sin. A little bit later in the chapter, in, in chapter 1, verse 47, she acknowledges and refers to Jesus, her coming child, as Savior. So she would need to be saved from something in order to acknowledge someone as her Savior. But either way, I just want to make sure that we're clear even going into Christmas and understanding what part she played in this, that the honor was God's presence with her. That, that, that's what made her special. When we studied Abraham just a few weeks ago as the world's most interesting man, what made him interesting wasn't anything in and of himself. It was the fact that God reached out to her. His favor is demonstrated by his presence. He's the hero of the story. I was reading this week a little bit about the uh, a prayer within the Catholic faith, the rosary, and this is how it concludes. It says, Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. I just want to make sure that we're crystal clear on this. She was not a holy queen. She was a person just like you and I. She's not our hope. Our hope is found in who? Jesus Christ alone. So yes, appropriate to elevate her because of her obedience, but not because she was anything other than just one of us. And that's not such a bad thing because God in his kindness says, I've got a task for you. It's an amazing one. See how this conversation plays out. It says, but, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Stop there for a little explanation. I have one of the things I've noticed in this last year is kind of the advancement. I don't know if you've heard this, but our our church, we had 26 babies in the last year, which is kind of a a, a fun thing. It's in the water, I guess. I don't know. But uh, either way, one of the things I've seen is the progression from when Adrian and I had kids to present day, the technology with ultrasounds. Anybody seen some of the present day ultrasounds? It's pretty cool what they're able to do. Not just identify the sex of the baby, but you can start to see their sweet little faces and what they're gonna look like. It's pretty uh, progressive as far as that goes. But here's the reason I bring that up is because here in this section of scripture is the ultimate ultrasound. God in his kindness is like, I'm going to give you more details than you would ever guess. He's like, I'm going to tell you about, uh, I'm going to tell you about uh, his sex, his name, his identity, his future plans, his heavenly status. Anybody like that kind of ultrasound for your kid? Wouldn't it be nice if you knew how the story would end, how they would play, how things would play out? I imagine in God's kindness, this a lot of times was what Mary clung to during the difficult times of watching her son being uh, mistreated and ultimately put to death on on a Roman cross. I imagine this was maybe the source of hope. It was God's kindness to her to her to say, I'm going to give you these details just so you have that to hold on to. 
don't know if any of you are familiar with that, uh, that song, Christmas song. It's been out for a while. It's called Mary, Did You Know? You guys know that? Here's the thing. I always hear it, and I'm like, she did. She did know because God came and told her, like, Mary, did you know that he'd save our sons and daughters? Yeah, he told us. Gabriel told me that. Well, that he'd come and make you new? Yeah, we mentioned that too. That he'd one day rule the nations? Yes. So Mary, did you know? Yes. Because, sorry if that ruined that song for you, but, uh, but, but here's, here's the picture. That's the idea is that our God in his kindness, he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you know exactly how this is going to play out exactly how he will grow up and who this son is. The king of kings is in your womb. It's what had been promised for literally thousands of years. Isaiah 7, 14 had spoken about this event. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Anybody know what that, that name means? God with us. God with us. Not just God amongst us, but literally him coming down and becoming one of us. That's the amazing part to me. He didn't just come and hang out as God. He's like, no, I'm going to come down and lower myself to be one of you. Account in Revelations 5, it gives an account of what the throne room looks like. Pretty powerful passage to, to read about. And it talks about Jesus being on the throne and literally myriads of myriads, most interpreters believe is hundreds of millions of angels worshiping him. That's what he left in order to come down and be amongst us. The reason why Philippians 2, 7, 7 describes in the NIV, it says he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. If you didn't catch that, what is the word that he attaches to human likeness? He made himself nothing. It's kind of hard to not take that personal a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he's like, but, but that's the gap. That's where he came from this down to this in order to rescue us heard this illustration and experienced it myself. I don't know if any of you living in this area have had a stretch where you've gotten ants in the house. I know it's kind of a gross thing. This isn't a literal picture from my home, but a few years back, a few years back, we had the most random thing in our upper bathroom upstairs in the townhome that we were living in. We had all of a sudden just this like infestation of just ants and they're all coming in, just marching in together. Like they go up the walls together, they hang out, they're, they're just, they're, they're what in the world? And so what do you think I, I, I did with them? Just mass murder, you know? I'm just like, bam, bam, bam. I mean, like, just the carnage was unbelievable. I left a few limping so they could go tell their friends. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, but here, here's the idea, just the, the carnage there was pretty uh, heartbreaking. Look at all the animal lovers. You, kill, you killed ants too, even when you walk. But anyway, here, here's the, the reason I bring that up. Imagine if instead of being the tyrant there in that story, what if I said, you know what, man, that stinks. They've been just misled. They're going the wrong way. Honey, Adrian, I think for the next 30 years, I'm going to become one of them. I'm going to come down. I'm going to become an ant. I'm going to live amongst them. I'm going to, I'm going to point them in the right direction. I'll be their rescue. I, I'm going to solve this situation. And that's pretty much the story. Instead of praise and worship, these little ants are, are shouting about, Pastor Scott, crucify him. <laughs> crucify him. What in the world? And then they kill me 
they kill me, I rise again from the dead. And on the other side of it, rather than being angry and going back to squishing, if I said, you know what? Even despite their response to me, I still offer a way back. I still offer rescue. That's the story of our God. And so when it says God with us, it's not a little deal. It's a huge deal. Came down, became nothing to be amongst us, to provide rescue on a cruel Roman cross, rose again on the third day, providing a way back. That's the Christmas story. That's an event that's worthy of singing about, to celebrate, to make a a big deal about. My hope is, is that's the catalyst that moves us to praise and worship going into this season. Now we have a God that promised this all the way back to Abraham and then actually lived it out, played it out perfectly, faithfully to us. Now Mary, in response to this, she's soaking it all in. I find it interesting, her little response there, you saw it already read, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Like she's like, okay, that's all well and good, but uh, I have one question, one question. And I love it that our God doesn't berate her for her question. It wasn't a lack of faith that she had. She just wanted some details of how this is going to work. Anybody else have some things that they're like, hey, I I like to wrestle through some things before I come to conclusions. I I celebrate that. I invite that even in our church family. We shouldn't check all of our questions at the door. We're not invited to do that. Our own uh, life group that Adrian and I are in, we have one of, these, one of these guys that is the question guy. We kind of tease him about it. Like whenever we think we're wrapping up a conversation, we're like, wait, let's see if he has any. He works for Apple. He's a great thinker. And, uh, and he's always got great questions, but he wrestles through it. And then we, we're like, oh man, that was actually profitable. That's what our God invites us to do is to work through it in this This scenario, that's exactly Mary. How's this going to work? God responds through the angel Gabriel with an answer. It says, and the angel answered her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has called, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Love how our God chooses to orchestrate his entry point into our earth. He's like, all right, I'll, let me explain to you how it's going to work. You're, you're going to still be a virgin, but God's going to come upon you. You're going to be with child. You imagine she's like, oh, I don't know how this is going to all work. Her mind must have been just racing a million miles a minute. If you think you have a stressful Christmas, imagine her and what she's introduced to having to process all of this. They say uh, if your mind's given too much, it's called a sensory overload. When I was skydiving a number of years back, I remember jumping out and they told me, oh, wasn't it cool all the flips you did afterwards? And I was like, I don't remember any of that. I blacked out. And I'm picturing that with, with Mary too. She's just like, you know, this is, this is so much to absorb. But in this, God gives exactly the words that she needed to hear. 
Because she's doubting, how do I explain this to Joseph? How, how's my little t- community of 150 people going to respond to this? What, what, what's going to happen? What, what is the, the response, the words that she needed to hear? Do you see it there in the text? For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing. He doesn't have to play within the bounds of the norm. Okay, well, no man has ever come prior to this from a virgin. He's like, yeah, that's okay. I kind of make my own rules. Uh, Your your crazy old aunt, Elizabeth, she's going to be pregnant too. He comes and just demonstrates, puts on display his majesty. He's the author of the impossible. If there's anything that I could leave you with this Christmas... What if those words were more than just churchy words that people say to each other? What if those actually took root inside of us? For nothing will be impossible with God. But pastor, you don't understand how messed up my marriage is and how damaged it is and what's said and you can't back up from that. Nothing's impossible with God. You don't understand how, how sick my, my, my cousin has been. He's, he, his health is failing. Nothing's impossible with our God. You don't, you don't understand how, how, how long this addiction has been a part of my life, and it's a pattern. I don't know how to break it. Nothing is impossible with our God. If there's anything to take away to be a catalyst into our worship going into this season, that would be my hope, that that would actually take root in your lives. What a, I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm so, nothing's impossible with our God. All of these things, all of these things should be moving us towards a, the appropriate spirit going into Christmas. That, that childlike excitement, the, I, I love it with kids that are singing. I'm not as, as concerned about them singing on key as I love when they're just singing with full abandon. They don't even care. What, what, what if that was us going into this Christmas? Just an abandon, you're like, I'm just excited to talk about my Jesus because he's a God that pursued me. He's a God that draws me close. He's the God that keeps his promises. He's a God that where nothing is impossible with him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this scripture and this story and this account. And although Mary shouldn't be inappropriately elevated, I love her innocent faith, her choice to respond. All right, God, here I am, whatever you say. I don't understand all the details. I don't know how it's all gonna play out, but here I am, Lord. Take me, use me as you will. If we could draw from that ourselves, God, I pray that you'd give us uh, little margins, little uh, parts, pieces where we can carve away, where we can pull away, where we can engage with you, and we can really celebrate God with us. And then we'd pronounce it, announce it, celebrate it to the world around us. God, we thank you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name. Just want to pass on an invite for Christmas Eve. We'd love to see you back at either four or six for that. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas.